Welcome to the Mariner's Church Life Group Leader Podcast. This weekly conversation is designed to equip and resource you to build a healthy life group community that studies God's Word, practices spiritual rhythms, and changes the world together. Welcome, Life Group Leaders. Glad to have you joining us on this series overview, looking at Song of Solomon, Wisdom for Your Love Life with the good man himself, we're here with our senior pastor, Eric Geiger. Welcome to the Song of Solomon. <laughs> Amazing. Well, if you weren't paying attention yet, you are now. <laughs> Love that we're jumping into this book. I mean, you kind of jokingly this weekend, not jokingly, it's like accurately, you gave us a picture of of um, kind of the thematic tones of this book. What, what's the, how did you describe it this weekend in, in invitations? Uh, like like a spicy. I said it's, it's a bit, bit spicy. Yeah. The, I mean, the his, history tells us that Jewish rabbis everyone has a different perspective on on what age it would be appropriate to read, but there was age appropriateness associated with the book of Song of Solomon because, I mean, the language depicting the honeymoon, yeah. chapter four, and then the language depicting their sexual relationship later in their marriage, so chapter seven. Chapter seven's language is really intense and so I, I i'm asking Kay, my wife i'm as i'm preparing i'm like baby should i explain this or just like go over it and and there's this one section where where basically i i say you know i'm gonna say something like um here's what it means and Kay has vetoed every other comment because yeah. it's it's really um it's intense and so why you have to but you have to you have to remember what we believe about the scripture that all of it is God breathed. So this is not crude. This is not um, the Bible trying to grab somebody's attention. This is not um, it, this is not you, you know uh, edgy for the sake of being edgy. This is God's breathed word right. about how um, a couple dates each other, about how they get married, about the initial attraction. And then we see sex, but it's after the marriage. Yeah. And then we see its purpose. But we also see that it's it's for enjoyment. I mean, you see all of that in Song of Solomon. It, it truly is a book about your love life. Yeah, that's that's great. And you're you're tipping your hand here a little bit because there have been some throughout church history that have answered the question of what is the book of Song, Song of Solomon in different ways? What right. is Song of Solomon in, in different ways? Right. Is this an allegory? Is this a yep. metaphor? Is this pointing towards Christ and the bride and the church? Yeah. Like what what is it? How, how would you answer? Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's, it's a great question. There's there's three ways that's commonly been been interpreted, um, and I will I will teach in a way that the first two would would be like, oh, this is great, and the third would struggle. So the first uh, way that Song of Solomon is is taught is that this is a um, a book about Solomon himself and the wife of his youth, and it's telling their love story. The second interpretation is this is Solomon writing about an ideal version of love between a man and a woman. Mm. So he he's not necessarily the main character in the book. So he's not he's mm. not writing about his own love, but he's writing about the ideal love. It's wisdom for your love life. So first one is it's actually Solomon in. Mm. Uh, the second one is Solomon writing about both 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 of of the first two views are. Um, Solomon's definitely the author. 
And even the third view, Solomon's the author. The right. third view is the right. allegorical view, which is this is not a book about human love. It is an illustration about God's love towards us. Yeah. And like you have Puritan authors and commentators who that's where they went, really because they're so uncomfortable with how explicit the language is. The problem is if, if you if you try to read it only allegorically, uh, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna get some passages that are like this is weird because this is not describing me and my relationship with God at all. You know, let me start from verse one of chapter one. Oh, that he would kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Yeah, I mean that's not. I mean I have seems pretty clear. I've been growing in my relationship with God, but I've never said that about God. You know, um, I've, yeah, we've yeah. never had that kind of relationship, right? Yeah. Now. Here's there will be moments in the sermons that we preach that there's some allegorical leanings yeah. in some parts of the text, and and but we don't believe the whole book is an allegory. And the reason you'll see some allegorical uh, leanings is we still do hold to the fact that all Scripture ultimately points us to Jesus. Yeah. So you get to the very famous verse, "I am my beloved's, and he is mine." That does remind us of the close relationship that we have. Right. We have with. With Christ, we are His and He is ours. So there are connections that we'll make as we walk through the the book, but we're we're not going to teach it from an allegorical standpoint as a whole. Yeah. But this is a this is an ideal vision of human love between a man and a woman from their initial attraction to their marriage. Because not only would that be an unfaithful reading and application of the text, but also that reading and that application of the text has some negative applications around our relationship with, with others, with God and ourselves. If if we curate the scriptures in such a way, um, then when we look at things about sexuality, it could have a disconnected view of that from ourselves. So, well, it's, it's dirty. The Bible doesn't talk about it. We, we shouldn't talk about it. Right. And that's not the view that scripture has. No, scripture um, has a beautiful view of sex. So mm -hmm. sex is not only sex mm -hmm. in the scripture. Sex is union between a man and a woman in the beautiful covenant of marriage. And so while the culture tries to have a low view of sex, mm -hmm. the scripture has a really high view of sex, that it is, but it is more than just physical. Mm -hmm. It is the mingling of two souls. Mm -hmm. It is the union of two, of two people. Mm -hmm. So sex isn't just sex, it's union and marriage isn't just marriage. It's actually a picture of God's marriage to us. Mm -hmm. And so the reason that we want couples at our church to have really thriving and healthy marriages is I care about the people in our church. I want them to have a healthy, thriving marriage for their own joy. Mm -hmm. But also from a Christian standpoint, our marriages really are a testimony to the world about our relationship with God and God's love towards us. So mm -hmm. sex isn't only about sex. It's about union. And marriage isn't only about marriage. It's about pointing people to the ultimate marriage that we have with God. That's good. Um, I want to just talk for a moment about in either of those first two views, uh, asserting that Solomon is, is the author. Um we mentioned this a little bit in the series guide and life group leaders, make sure you pick those up at all your congregations this week. There's a series guide that accompanies this. You've got your survey discussion questions in there are going to really help you get the most of the passage on the weekend, but also within your groups. And we talk a little bit about the author yep. of Solomon and some would ask questions about, well, how can a, there be wisdom, a book about wisdom for my marriage ripped from somebody who had, I, I could get this wrong, 300 wives, five oh, concubines, whatever, whatever the count is. <laughs> I lost count. It truly it is. Really the, on steroids. To me, the biggest struggle with the book yeah. is Solomon's ending of his life. Yeah. So go back to those two views, right? All right. So if the view is that Solomon is right about himself, 
you then have multiple interpretations of that. You have some who say, hey, he wrote this before he messed up his life. So you have David who who wrote beautiful psalms to God before he messed up. And then he, he writes great psalms to God after. Right. So you have right. some who say, this is Solomon writing truth inspired by God before he made an absolute mess of his life. Some say, like Danny Aiken, uh, he's one commentator that I read. He, he believes that this is Solomon writing at the end of his life, looking back of, you know, what he what he had and what he regrets not holding on to. Right. Okay, so that's the first view. Second view, <laughs> if Solomon is essentially writing about human love between two people, you can you can read it more of he's writing at the end of his life and this is what he knows he should have held to but but didn't, or he's writing early and this is all inspired from God. But either way, so now you're at you know, now four different viewpoints. Yeah. Either way, you're still having to wrestle with the question, okay, this is very ideal, mm-hmm. this this man-woman relationship in Song of Solomon. And and it's so ideal that Solomon couldn't even keep live up to it. Mm-hmm. And he failed miserably at it. Mm. Um, but you, you do, you go back to other passages of scripture that says, you know, when Solomon first became king, God said, what do you want? And Solomon asked for wisdom. And God said, well, because you didn't ask for wealth I'll, and you asked for wisdom, I'll give you mm-hmm. I'll give you wisdom and I'll give you wealth. But Solomon was known as the wisest person who ever lived. It just shows how fragile and broken we are that even the wisest person who ever lived could live up to the wisdom yeah, that he wrote. Yeah, good word there. Which is why we, <laughs> Which is why we need grace and why we ultimately do need to be able to say, I am my beloved's in his mind. Yeah. Because the only way that we'll be able to live up to mm-hmm. any of the wisdom that we read in this book is because we have the grace of Jesus. Because we can't, we can't do this by ourselves. Because so it's a very high view of... That's right. It's an ideal view of... Uh, I mean, this couple... And even in the ideal view, they still have fights, yeah. right? But in this... So it's not um, like this only romantic, they that they have no fights. No, like even in the ideal marriage in Song of Solomon, there's still, there's, we'll even see in um, one of the chapters, there's still a fight. Yeah. But you do have a beautiful picture of marriage in this in this book. That's great. So there's practical, relevant wisdom to every stage of our relationship. Oh man! Sometimes people wonder, is this just going to be applicable for those that are married? What about right. my life group? We're, we're not married. Like, is this going to be something for us? Should we yeah. take this series off? Right. Because it's wisdom for your love life, there really, it really is for everybody. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, no matter what stage you're in, you're in this book. Yeah. And then there's. Uh, the other stages you will be in in the future or you'll have a friend or a child or a grandchild in that stage in the future. So I'd encourage you to understand every stage in Song of Solomon. Yeah. But it begins with the initial attraction between this this couple. And so week one is will be, man, how do we help those who are single and, and those of us who have single kids or single friends, yeah. how do we help people to be attracted to the right things? You know, and how how I'm going to challenge the singles. How do you get attracted to the right things in somebody? Then week two is this pursuit, and man, we we need we need godly pursuits to happen. Yeah. You know where, and you see a wise pursuit of somebody, and then week three, it's intentional dating. Yeah, dating and deciding. So the three, even the first three, the first three weeks you, aren't even the marriage yet, right? right? So someone who's single, or again, you have. People, I mean, I've got two daughters who are single, right? And so the first three weeks are 
going to be really impactful for me thinking about how do I instruct my my kids. Same here. You know, how do I instruct my kids to do, to do this well? Mm. And you're going to see some. Maybe make some of the mistakes that I don't. Maybe surely I made in my youth. Probably yeah. you, but no, no, I totally made some mistakes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I wish I had Song of Solomon. Or, I mean, it was there, but I didn't throw myself into it. You know, the book's been there for a long time. I didn't throw myself into it. Yeah, and we'll see some wisdom in Song of Solomon for singles and those dating that is different than the world. So the world right now is very common to to serial date, like date a whole bunch of people, just swipe, 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 then tell yourself, well, one day you'll settle down. Mm-hmm. As if all of the bad practices that you did in the serial dating aren't carried over. Mm. You know? I mean, think about it. Like you basically are learning some some skills or, or and some bad habits in your life that you're expecting just a one day end. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so the, the culture says that. Then the culture says hmm. um, date and then get engaged and have a long engagement. Right. Um, maybe live together, maybe, I mean, just long engagement. Then spend a ton of money on a, on a, on a wedding. Yeah. A ton of money. And what, what I'm going to say is, hey, intentionally date, short engagement, cheap wedding, put the money towards a down payment. And so why would you say, I mean, that's, you get those principles from this, but there's no verse in Song of Solomon that's going to tell us that. Uh, you see it a bit. I mean, you see you see that um, they are, there's, it's not serial dating. It's okay. dating okay. really in public. Yeah. So the public, the, and right now we've got the online dating thing, and, and God's not against online dating. Right. The right. downside though of online dating is it can be kept underground. Hey, let's keep this on the down low. Yeah. Hey, let's meet. Let's not tell our friends yet. Uh, when you see Song of Solomon, it's very out in the open and public, which allows the community to speak into it, yeah. allows people to bring wisdom to it. So those who date online, I just would say, hey, that's a, there's a potential downside. So you want to bring the community into it. You want to get some people to be able to speak into the relationship. And then also the dating in public that you see in Song of Solomon, it does allow them to stay sexually pure because they they are they are having deep longings for one another. I mean, the attraction is really is really intense. Yeah, we're gonna read all about that. But they're not they're not Netflixing at two in the morning. They're I mean, in one of the one of the verses, they're basically out. The cedars are the roof, meaning they're they're outside. They're in nature. They're mm-hmm. they're 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 being very disciplined to mm-hmm. try to to try to stay pure. They're mm-hmm. dating public, even though there's this intense attraction for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think there's a there's a short engagement when they decide they they go, right. you know, right. as opposed to we're gonna be we're gonna be engaged for four years and then we're gonna spend two hundred thousand dollars on a wedding, and you know I'd say dude when you know ask her to marry you, that's right. Go quick engagement. Yeah. Let one of our pastors do the wedding for you yeah. in the backyard. We're here for you, man. And and then right. save that money that you would that two hundred k you're gonna drop on filet mignon and chili and sea bass. Yeah, yeah. And put that on on a down payment totally. for a home in the in East Side Costa Mesa. You know, yeah, saying like yeah, whatever. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's great. That's really that's smart, man. Um, uh, yeah, because there is something in our culture about sliding into commitment, about you know, um, not jumping in, wanting to have everything all buttoned up and figured out, and the absolute perfect person and the whole the soulmate. And oh, we gonna I'm gonna knock that too. Yeah. Like the whole um, there is the one. Yeah. yeah. That's bad news because if you marry the one who's not the one, we're all messed up. Because if one person messes it up, everybody messes, Bro, and, messes and, it up. Just, all that watch. We just established that Song of Solomon was written by the wise guy in the world who messed up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how how, how is it that yeah. that 
that John from four generations ago, who was supposed to marry his one, who was Susie, but he accidentally ma married, you know, yeah. Cynthia. Yeah. So that that means Susie was supposed to marry John, but she can't marry John because John married Cynthia. So now Susie's got to marry Ralph, and Ralph was supposed to marry Deborah, but now Ralph can't now marry Deborah. So Deborah's stuck to marry Jim Bob, and then Jim Bob can't marry Jane, and the whole the whole thing is the whole thing completely whole thing messed up. And now we have Tinder because of it. That's it. That's that, I think that's, that's what happened. Marketing behind Tinder. That's, that's what, what happened. happened. All right. Really good. Um, and as you mentioned, Ned, we are here to help you. Yeah, so we do have something we run here called the pre-marriage course. We're going to be running that February 21st. We're actually going to do a one-day version of that as well in April after this series for those that may not be able to do all five sessions. Other things that we're doing throughout the series, of course, we've got Marriage Matters, equipping our, our married couples. We've got a men's breakfast with Jim Burns to come talk about sexual purity and integrity. Um, our Thursday night at Mariners is doing a, a panel in February, on February 29th, about uh, dating and how do we date well with integrity. So the the, the messages themselves are going to be fantastic and equip us, but we've got other environments for your entire life groups to come in and, and help us um, and be a part of what's going on here. Great. And then sex and marriage, fighting for good, a vision for love. I'm really glad. I'm really glad that we're taking time to walk through this entire book. Whole book. And this is going to be really, like this is chapter by chapter, nearly verse by verse. Like we're, we're going through it. We are walking through a book of wisdom for your love life. I did an Instagram poll. Yeah. Saw two, that. two days ago. Yeah. Yeah. And said, hey, how many of you have studied Song of Solomon? Mm -hmm. Not just read it, but studied it. And it's like 85% have never studied it. Mm. So I would say that's, you know, 85% of the listeners, if the data could be extrapolated to this listening segment, mm -hmm. uh, 80, you know, a bunch of you haven't read, haven't studied Song of Solomon, a bunch in your life group haven't studied Song of Solomon. It's a book in the Bible. Yeah. Given by God for us. Let's study it. Yeah, great. Let's study it. That's awesome. And not only are we going to equip you through it, we want to be there to support you through what you're facing and what you faced in the past. We know when you come to conversations about relationships and intimacy, there's, for many yes. of us, a lot of our stories, probably all of our stories, there's brokenness and yep. pain and regret and things that we've done or things that have been done to us. And I think we're having two um, weekends of extended prayer. We've got all of our great care, care resources available through this. So this isn't just learn, it's support, grow, and let's heal together through this. So it's going to be a great series. Glad we're jumping through it together. All right. Last question for you. Favorite favorite love love song out of nowhere. It's one of the lean-in questions for uh, for Song of Solomon here. The fa my favorite my favorite love song. Yeah, yeah. Is it got to be Christian, non-Christian? No, you know. know uh, okay. Um, it is. Unfair of me to put you up. No, 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 no. I, I can, I, I, I can, it. I can come up with yeah. it, man. I'm going to try to pull up my Spotify real, real oh, fast. It's that um, that original Top Gun. Uh, when when uh, Take my No, man. No, no. When Goose goes and uh, and like he, he, I can't remember. He not, he. Yeah. Basically, Tom Cruise and Goose are together and, and our Maverick and Goose are together. And yep. he starts singing, you've lost that love and feeling. Keep it going. Keep it going. <laughs> Oh, that, that love and feeling. You've lost that love and feeling. Now it's gone, gone, gone. Baby, baby. That's what it go like. No. Baby, baby. Yeah, I, I get down on my knees right. for hey, you. So glad to join this work. I have a horrible singing voice. <laughs> I don't know that version of that song. Okay, similar. One of us was a worse pastor. I didn't sound great either on it, but it certainly. You did play guitar. I saw a picture of it story all right guys can't wait to have you jump in don't miss it let's study god's word together in our life groups and let's apply it for the vision of love that jesus has for us all right we'll see you on here next week